Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line, and it is cold in this house. Cold in this house. So you see, I'm I'm um, I'm dressed for the weather, and my God, it's freezing. Here, let me get let me get set up. Y'all like my hairstyle? I'm getting crazy with it. I'm going I'm going man bun soon. Oh God. All right. Now we're ready. Because boy, do I have some exciting content for you guys. Exciting. Now, first of all, um, the, the first thing I saw this morning in my, my headlines that I normally get was Elliot Page, who is apparently some sort of actor or actress, or something, and they've decided to change their gender to a, a, a white male, straight white male. And if I knew who Elliot Page was, we would probably talk about it, but I have no idea who that is. So, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to talk about something much more important, and that was hearings, oversight hearings in Michigan yesterday. Now, this was... Shocking, to say the least. I consumed my entire day watching citizen after citizen, poll worker after poll worker go up to legislators in the state of Michigan and give their sworn testimony as to the fraud, the corruption, the lying and the cheating, the harassment, the intimidation that occurred on election night in the days after, as they counted and supervised the counting of votes. This was shocking. Now, I'm going to do this in kind of a a series, and we're going to work our way through a couple of different situations, because what I've got, first off, we're going to start with a segment on Sean Hannity last night where he had three different people, whistleblowers, talking about their particular situation, and then... We had situations in, I believe it was Arlington, Virginia. And honestly, I didn't even see this until this morning. But they gave shocking testimony as well. And then we'll work through some of the Michigan stuff. But just know that there's a lot of these. So we may be here for a minute. And if you can stick it out, you're going to want to hear every single one of these. This may be... This may be the longest podcast we've ever done, but I have to fit all these in. If we can't, if I can't do it, then we'll add some more tomorrow. But this is all stuff you need to know now. And this is stuff that if you've got friends that are saying there's no evidence of voter fraud, they're going to need to see this video. This is shocking, to say the least. Absolutely shocking. And i tell you what, here's what we're going to do, just for the sake of time. I'm going to skip over the Sean Hannity part, and y'all can look that up yourself. It's on Twitter. Uh, i got to give credit to Team Trump's Twitter, who have kind of laid this out perfectly for me to be able to do it on my show. But this is going to give you some of the prime examples of the voter fraud and the illegal activity that has gone on. For instance, Trump tweeted... 
just nine hours ago, as of right now, it's like 8 a.m. on uh, December 2nd, 2020. He tweeted a video that was apparently in Nevada, part of the Nevada Native Vote Project. They did uh, a, a Facebook video on Election Day showing how they had $25 and $100 gift cards to give to people to coerce them to come vote. And guess who they're asking them to vote for? Just take a wild guess. You got it? Yeah, uh, Democrats. Check out this video right here of these, this yo a lovely young lady who is probably clueless to the actual laws when it concerns voting, just out here doing something she probably got paid to do. $25 gift cards to raffle off, so that's a lot of money cash here. Um, we have um, also four $100 gift cards to give away. Um, so again, you wanna make sure you get out here to vote. And then we have four $250 gift cards to raffle. And our grand prize is going to be a $500 uh, Visa gift card. Wow, $500 Visa gift card. <laughs> Imagine some of you guys stood in line for two and three hours to vote on November 3rd. Imagine if you would have been given $500 to do that. That would have been nice. We would have got a little surprise for your Christmas shopping, but no, you didn't. Why did you not? Because you're not voting Democrat. That's why you didn't get $500. So there's that. It's highly illegal, but uh, that's not really the point of this show. The point of this show is to go through some of this Michigan testimony and this testimony in Arlington, Virginia. Now, I haven't seen much of this, but I watched a little bit of it this morning, and I think it's highly important that you guys see it. So we'll start off with this. This is Colonel Schaefer, a, a USPS subcontractor. I'm sorry. Colonel Schaefer on USPS subcontractor Jesse Morgan's story of 28, uh, I'm sorry, 280,000 ballots shipped from Bethpage, New York to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He says, we have evidence of a massive transfer of completed curated ballots ready to be injected into counting centers. This is going from New York to Pennsylvania. Now, now you got to ask yourself. Why would ballots be coming from one state to another? Because states hold their own elections. You don't, as a state, count ballots from another state. You only count ballots within your state. There should be no ballots, no ballots leaving the borders of your state. Yet, here we are. Take a listen to, uh, to this right here. We have been intaking a lot of whistleblowers. They are brave people who seek nothing but to provide you the truth, and that's what we're all seeking here. So, again, I'm grateful to Attorney General Klein for the benefit and privilege of doing this, and I think that's what we're all trying to do here today is get to the truth. I'm going to outline some of the issues which makes Jesse's story so peculiar and so troubling regarding what we now know to be fact. Uh, Jesse's one of those unsung, invisible heroes who works in the dead of the night that makes our lives better. Uh, as he said, he has nothing to gain here but everything to lose. And that's why it's important that we listen to him. So the first question we should all ask is, where's Jesse's trailer? Where is it? 
Where to go? What was the route it took after it left? I think it's a reasonable question, one that I think any reasonable American who's curious about 24 pallets of ballots, where they went. So um, we have a number of teams supporting the Armistad effort. One of them is uh, my own London Center intelligence team. They did the estimate of ballots. So, so just so you all understand what we're talking about, depending on the density, depending on depending on the trays. And again, this leads back to Greg's story, seeing these ballots showing up in the counting rooms in the middle of the night. That's the pointy end of the spear. We trace it back through all the different machinations to Jesse, to his mass transportation of these things. And I can tell you, other investigations that are now ongoing with our field elements are developing the next set of leads. It doesn't stop at Beth Page. It only begins there. And as Phil said, all investigations start with questions. We have additional questions we're now going to answer. But to the point of this, 24, 24 gay lords full of these things, not mailed like they normally would be. And let me make this very clear. The Beth Page Center is not a place where you can frank or process mail. It's a bulk mail center. As a matter of fact, it's called a process and distribution center. That means big boxes and big things go through. You don't take in envelopes. You don't take in little pieces of mail and put them into big bundles. These things were bundled. They were on trays. They were processed. They were curated, if you will. These were ready to be counted. That's what makes this so important. So depending on the density of these things, it could be 144 to over uh, to a quarter million ballots. Let me tell you a little secret. Part of our developing investigation indicates that Jesse wasn't alone. There was a number, as in like a bunch of different trucks, which engaged in this. So when you think about the magnitude of potential votes showing up the night of the election after midnight, you have to have an artifact. So if you eliminate the impossible, with all things being equal, whatever remains must be the truth. The truth is ballots showed up. They were counted. They do not match necessarily the records of who should have voted. In some instances, the, the stats don't add up, and we continue to an analyze that. But with that said, I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we have evidence of a massive transfer of, of completed, curated ballots ready to be injected into counting centers. What's amazing, or, or what you are going to see as we go through these, is kind of how the sausage is made within this stuff, and it'll answer a lot of questions that you have about all the details that you've heard thus far, especially once we get to the part of the Michigan hearing. People are explaining what happened in front of their very eyes. And again, it's important to know these people have signed sworn statements, and if they are lying... They could go to jail. This is a whole lot of regular people 
that are willing to stick their neck out on the line and, and, and risk going to jail if they're lying. Not only that, but dealing with the threat of the evil left who will harass them, their family, and anybody else they can get their hands on. They'll dox them. They'll threaten them. They'll make their lives a living hell. But what they don't realize is how many of these people are coming out. And once there's so many, you can't harass all of them. And that's the beauty of what we're seeing right now. This is blowing wide open. And they're not ready. And a lot of people that were involved in this that thought, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm doing this for some extra cash and I'm not going to get in trouble because there's so many of us doing it. Some of them are going to start getting scared. And some of them are probably going to start showing up and saying, you know what, I got to be honest. I don't want to get in trouble. This is what happened. This is what we did. This is what we were told to do. Moving on to this one. This is Jesse Morgan, the guy he was just speaking of, the truck driver with USPS, subcontracted. He says he was suspicious of his cargo load of 288,000 completed ballots. He said, I was driving completed ballots from new york to pennsylvania i didn't know so i decided to speak up absolutely fascinating stuff were the same size i could see the envelopes had handwritten addresses return addresses and i could even tell that one of that one was marked registered mail that one was off to the side all right <clears throat> they were complete ballots I didn't, I didn't think much of it at the time. At Beth Page, I was first loaded with two tall Gaylords. So picture that thing there or, or this little representation here, but this tall, all right? So I was loaded with two tall Gaylords, okay? And uh, that were, hold on, where was I at? They had uh, mixed mail pieces bound for Lancaster. These Gaylords were loaded first because they would be the last off my trailer. This is, this is how you know you're hearing the truth. Listen to this guy. He's a regular dude, obviously nervous to be up there, just telling you what happened while he was doing his job. That's it. You know how you can see, you can read people as they're speaking to you or they're speaking publicly and you're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a regular guy. That's probably how I would act if I was up there on the stage talking to a bunch of people. This is that guy. The remainder of the truck was loaded with complete ballots bounded for Harrisburg. I then drove to Harrisburg with the ballots. Usually I offload in one of the seven docks every day, but not on October 21st. I wasn't allowed to offload. That's different. Whenever I pull in the Harrisburg, I go around and I get my dock and I get unloaded and then I roll out. Not that day, all right? Not that day. Instead, I was made to wait for roughly six hours in the yard from 9.15 a.m. to 3 p.m. This really ticked me off, all right? Because my brother was in town. He just moved back up. And I wanted to spend some time with him. I tried to get the attention of postal workers, 
but no one will tell me what's going on. Uh, again, a regular dude, and he's mad because they're screwing up his schedule and he wants to spend time with his brother. All of this was weird. I arrived at, the, at, uh, I arrived at about the same time every day. The expediter scans all my seals and barcodes, and they, they unload me. But for the first time, or but, or what? But from the time I first arrived in Harrisburg from Bethpage, everything got weird. None of that happened. After waiting six hours, I went inside to figure out what's going on. I was told to wait for the transportation supervisor. This was also weird. 16 months I've been doing this. I haven't ever talked to the transportation supervisor for the United States Postal Service. I talk to an expediter. I come in, I see an expediter, that's who I deal with. If I have an issue, it's the expediter. I don't deal with anyone else but the expediter. I never, never talk to the United States Postal Service's transportation supervisor. Let's make that clear. I have my own transportation supervisor for the company that I work for. He's the one that gives me the details. He's the one that I listen to. I don't listen to this guy. He's the guy that would contact my boss if he needed something ran different. I've never spoken with this transportation supervisor from the United States Postal Service. They don't speak to people like me. He's a top guy. He's the kind of guy that would speak to my boss, not a trucker like me. The supervisor told me to drive to, uh, told me to drive to Lancaster without being unloaded in Harrisburg. This made no sense to me. I knew the ballots were loaded for Harrisburg, and that if I was to go to Lancaster, they would have to off unload my ball or those pallets in Lancaster to take off Lancaster stuff to put the ballots back on the trailer to send them back to Harrisburg. Doesn't make no sense. <clears throat> this was a real screw up in my, my thinking. I wanted, I wanted my ticket. So whenever I go to a place, I, and I, when I go there and whenever I'll leave, I'll get a ticket. I'll get a ticket, a slip, whatever you want to call it. It's the date time that I'm supposed to be there. It'll have my trailer number on it. It'll have um, how much I'm loaded. It'll have the seal number. It has my name. It'll have who, who was the expediter. So I wanted my, my, my ticket, my slip. I call them tickets. Some people call them slips, okay? Um, and then because I was there for six hours... I wanted my late slip too, because I wanted to be pay paid for sitting in that yard for six hours. So um, <clears throat> I wanted the ticket and the late slip for stopping in at Harrisburg. Also, I wanted it because if they tell me to take this load to Lancaster, I don't want to pull up the Lancaster of Harrisburg crap and be like, "Yeah, they just told me to be or come here and not have no no ticket because they don't look like I just came straight here," you know. Just to prove that I was there. And so others would know I wasn't the person that screwed this up.
A ticket is always provided to a driver when they arrive at a, U a United States Postal Service facility that proves you were there. The transportation supervisor refused to give me a ticket and told me to leave. I then demanded he give me a late slip since I wanted to get paid for the time I was sitting there and waiting and waiting for them to offload me. He refused to give me that too. He was kind of rude and wouldn't explain anything to me. He just told me to go to Lancaster. I then drove to Lancaster, unhooked my trailer in its normal place, and then drove my truck to where I always park it in a nearby lot, and then I went home. The next day, it just got weirder. As I arrived at Lancaster, at Lancaster's United States Postal Service facility, with my tractor, I went to hook up to my trailer. And my trailer was gone. Not there no more. 10R1440. Since I started driving that Bethpage route, I've always had trailer 10R1440. I like that trailer. It was a nice trailer. I know you guys probably don't really know nothing about truck driving or trailers or anything, but the rear tandems had a, if you're driving light, the rear tandems will actually, the front axle will actually go up. Um, nice air ride. The, garage, the doors on it were, it worked great. Some of the trailers that place has, you could honestly put it on the back of a carrier and drop it off in the middle of the ocean and no one would worry about it. So that trailer I really liked, okay? Um, what happened on October 21st was a series of unusual events that cannot be a coincidence. I know I saw ballots with return addresses filled out, thousands of them, thousands. Loaded onto my trailer in New York and headed for Pennsylvania. At first, I didn't think it was a big deal. In fact, I thought it was really awesome. I was, I really did. I was like, sweet, I'm doing something for the presidential race. You know, this is cool. <clears throat> but as things became weirder, I got to thinking and wondered why I was driving complete ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. I didn't know I didn't know why, so I decided to speak up. And that's what I'm doing today. Thank you. Uh, absolutely fascinating. Here's here's what Democrats don't understand, okay? The president, Donald Trump, has such a tremendous amount of support from regular people in this country, 74 million people voting for him. 74 million, by the way, a very gracious number because chances are it was even higher than that. That many regular people voting for the president. The chances of regular people seeing you doing this shady stuff is very high. Because guess what? In order to pull this off, 
you're going to have to use the regular people because there's too many of us. We're going to catch you. And that's what we've seen over the past few days. Regular people that have sat in here for three and four weeks watching this, knowing their personal experience, saying there's no way. This election, this election was set up, and I got to speak up. So as the first batch of people came out, and then the next batch, and then more people said, wow, I'm, I'm not the only one. I got to speak up. I watched the Michigan hearing yesterday, and there were so many people, especially older men, that came up and said, you know, I'm in bad health. My wife said, please don't get involved in this. You, you don't have the time. You're, you're tired. You're beat down. He's like, you know. I, I got to do this for my country. I got to speak up. Regular people like me and you are the ones that are going to save this country. They're going to save this country from a rigged election and take this country off a road that it's currently on headed down the path of Venezuela. We're going to do it. We are going to do it. Next up, we have uh, a USPS contractor. He said, I'm not a Trump supporter, not a Biden supporter, but something profoundly wrong occurred in Wisconsin during the presidential election, and the American people have the right to know. Listen to this guy. See if we can get him going. Here we go. Come on, Mr. Wisconsin. Thank you, Phil. During the run-up to and on Election Day... Now, this is one of the guys, and I'm glad we didn't play the Hannity clip, because this is one of the three people that were on Sean Hannity last night giving their story, and wow, was it profound. I was working as a temporary hire at United Mailing Services, UMS, a USPS subcontractor in Wisconsin. I began employment on August 26, 2020 as a route driver and box truck driver. This meant my job was to pick up mail on a predetermined route and deliver it to UMS for sorting and metering. I would then take the sorted mail in my box truck to USPS. In September or October, I began to deliver mail and ballots from UMS to USPS as part of my evening delivery duties. I knew this because there was special bins marked for ballots only. On one occasion, I forgot to retrieve the ballots for transportation and had to go back for them. After that, I always made sure to check that I had the ballot bins loaded for transport. On November 2nd, 2020, I noticed that there was only one ballot in the bin for delivery to USPS. And on November 3rd, election day, there were no ballots in the bin for delivery. One can imagine my surprise then when the next day, November 4th, I was asked by a senior USPS employee named Monte if I had forgotten any ballots the night before. Monte explained that an order came down from the Wisconsin Illinois chapter of USPS that 100,000 ballots were missing. Monte then told me that his post office had dispatched employees to look for the missing ballots around 4 a.m. and that only seven or eight were found at UMS. Based on my previous experience and habit of double-checking for ballots, I believe that to be a lie. The following day, November 5, 2020, I had a conversation with a different USPS employee named Rachel. 
in which she admitted that USPS employees were ordered to backdate ballots that were received too late to be lawfully counted. I asked Rachel if I would get in trouble with my boss for those ballots the other night, referring to the allegedly missing ballots I discussed with USPS employee Monte on November 4th, 2020. No, you wouldn't, she responded, as long as they were postmarked for the third. She continued, that's why they had us do that. I didn't bring any of this to the attention of my supervisors at USPS at the time due to what I perceived to be their hostility towards President Donald Trump and their evident contempt for the law. I heard those same two post office employees making jokes about taking mail-in ballots for Trump and throwing them away. I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Biden supporter either. In fact, I didn't vote for either of the main candidates. But something profoundly wrong occurred in Wisconsin during the presidential election, and the American people have a right to know about it. So how many times are we going to hear from people that they had someone else from USPS tell them, hey, we're told to backdate ballots. It's obvious that occurred. We're hearing it over and over and over again. Here's another one that says the Amistad Project. We were promised 24-7 security of drop boxes. We have demanded such information, but it was refused. Listen to this. And you might recall, as it relates to drop boxes, we were promised 24-7 security. We were promised videos to watch the drop boxes. By the way, has anybody seen the videos that these election officials for every drop box that was out there? We were promised that there would be integrity in the flow and chain of custody of these ballots. That means they must have logs of who had keys to the drop boxes. That means legitimately they have to have a two-person per key system so that there's not one partisan who might pick up those ballots in a heavily Republican area and lose them on the way to the counting center, or vice versa, pick up ballots in a heavily Democrat area and lose them on the way to the counting center. Did they have two-person, one key? Do they have the logs of when these drop boxes were picked up? Will they ever release video? of these drop boxes as they promised. So far, we have demanded such information. It has been refused. People refuse for a reason. What is that reason? We have election experts that have been working with us who say that that conduct in breaking the chain of custody prevents the certification of the election process as applied under federal law, the Help America Vote Act. And we will have their testimony moving forward in numerous cases that the way that they did this election was not consistent with federal law in every one of these urban areas in every swing state. If every one of these swing states are following the law, their elections are null and void. They cannot send electors to the Electoral College. Neither candidate reaches 270. And then Congress cast a vote, one vote per state, to elect the President of the United States. You want to talk about widespread voter fraud? Since this was the big talking point of the left? Well, ask and you may receive.
because here it is. Widespread all over the country in the most important states. Right there in your face. Regular people coming forward, risking life, limb, their career, their families to do what's right for their country because they know what they saw was not right. Here is more from the Amistad uh, journey. I'm, I'm not real sure about this organization. Maybe there's something to do with voter integrity, but it, they seem to be representing these whistleblowers that came forward in Arlington, Virginia. And it's shocking, to say the least. Here's more comments from him. This evidence demonstrates, and it's through eyewitness testimony that's been corroborated by others through their eyewitness statements, that 130,000 to 280,000 completed ballots for the 2020 general election were shipped from Bethpage, New York, to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where those ballots and the trailer in which they were shipped disappeared. Just vanished in thin air. That should concern everyone that a trailer full of ballots that, first of all, went from one state to another and had no business doing so, just vanished once it got to its destination. You heard the truck driver. Never seen anything like it. I've always had the same trailer. And then all of a sudden, the most suspicious load of my life, I go to pick it up, and it just disappears just gone vanished amazing amazing stuff now let me move over to michigan and i'm trying to keep this brief so we can not have a three-hour podcast but these michigan hearings are so vitally important and i was i was floored as i watched this thing all day yesterday as again regular citizen after regular citizen in the state of michigan most of which were poll watchers and vote challengers ballot challengers who were supposed to be in the one of the centers in Detroit. Remember the one where they put the, the cardboard up over the window so people couldn't see? They basically bullied these people, kicked them out, wouldn't let them back in, all while they witnessed fraud happening right before their eyes. Absolutely stunning revelations. I'm an unaffiliated Michigan voter who... Uh, was trained by the GOP to be a poll challenger on Wednesday, November 4th, beginning in the late morning until around 8 p.m. And, and you'll be shocked to see how many people are unaffiliated voters, Democrats, or independents. There were several people that volunteered their time, and I'm talking working 12 to 16-hour shifts, volunteered their time for the GOP, a party they're not affiliated with because they heard the GOP was running low on ballot challengers it wasn't about the gop it was about serving their country in a capacity they could do and they said well i got the time to do it i think it'd be a good thing a good civics lesson and i can tell my kids about it something something i can say i did and be proud of it be an example that's all these people were looking to do and instead they were traumatized they were traumatized by power-hungry, evil people. 
because I was told that they needed help. They didn't have, they were understaffed. I witnessed the room erupt in thunderous applause and derogatory cheering as Republican poll workers were picked off one by one and ejected from the room repeatedly by police escort throughout the day. By the end of the day, they had picked off so many GOP poll workers that there were probably only a few dozen left to monitor all of the processing stations in the room, which I'm told was between 130 and 160. Now, you'll hear these stories over and over and over about GOP workers when they were kicked out for no good reason. They were kicked out for doing their job, which was saying, hey, we need to check that ballot. I want to challenge that ballot because the signatures don't match. Or that one looks funny. Or this this procedure calls for us doing X, Y, and Z with this ballot. People would get up in their face, kick them out. And the cops wouldn't ask questions. The lawyers there wouldn't ask questions. they just kick them out. And for people they didn't kick out, they would let them, so here, you may hear this as we go along. When you come into the center as a, a poll worker, poll challenger, you sign in. And this was allegedly to make sure they had a handle on how many people were in there. Now, this is a big room, huge. Plenty of room for social distancing and everything else. But they were trying to make sure they knew how many people were in there and how many people they could, how many more people they could let in. So you'd sign in, and then allegedly you had to sign out when you left, whether that was for lunch or whatever. They purposefully didn't tell the Republican poll watchers that you had to sign out and actually set it up to make sure where you would sign out was a long way away from the exit so it wasn't like you saw it on your way out. So when Republican workers came in, they would sign in. But then when they would go out, they wouldn't sign out because they weren't told to. And when they would come back, they would say, no, nah, we're at capacity. You can't come in. And then they find out it wasn't because it was because they didn't sign out. And really, there wasn't as many people in there as they were saying. But they set that all up to make sure these Republican poll workers, these poll challengers, could not get into the vote counting centers. Moving on to this guy, I don't I don't know these people's names, so we're just we're just kind of doing this together. We'll see what happens. Some of these don't want to work right. There's so many of them. Let's try this. Let's try this guy, Lansing, Michigan. Up next. What time of the morning was it when you saw this come in, or what time of the evening was it? Like you said, three-ish, four in that window. And, and the noise in the background, by the way, are pro-Trump protesters that are outside of the, the outside the window of this hearing room protesting towards, really, the legislators telling them, you can't certify this vote. You see all the fraud. It's obvious. In the afternoon. No, no, no. I was there from... Three or four in the morning. I was there at 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. They yeah. were in mail uh, sleeves, you said? Mm-hmm. Did anybody have any earmarkings of who they were carrying these ballots? Were they carrying them? Were they on a dolly? Yeah, they were on a dolly. Yeah, they were on a dolly. Do I know who they were? Absolutely not. But they were people that were doing that. Thank you. Thank you, Senator Lucido. Senator Santana. If, was there any particular reason you didn't ask for a supervisor to question, you know, the ballot 
that's coming in on a dolly or well, I didn't figure I needed to because the lead counsel that was supposed to be there was taking tally and I was there standing right next to him so I figured he was kind of the person that was overseeing the whole night but that's what we were told so we were we were talking directly about why are these coming in we all thought it was interesting that these ballots were coming in so late what was his response we were we were trying to take sorry what was his response sir we were taking count and we were um his exact response i couldn't recall but we were definitely perplexed that these were coming in so late as well as they were being put out to be counted something we had reported previously and that was what time of the morning was it poll workers that were surprised that votes were showing up at three and four in the morning when they were told that they were done and all of a sudden tens of thousands even hundreds of thousands of ballots are showing up in the middle of the night could that have something to do with maybe the missing trailers across the country? Who knows? Here's another testimony out of this same Michigan hearing. Listen to this. I'm not sure why this thing wants to give me fits, but it sure does. They don't want to work with us this morning. Let's try again. Um, I was under the impression that as a poll challenger, our primary responsibility is to make sure before a vote is cast that that ballot is either in the registered poll book, the computer book, or in the, elect the paper poll book, of which any time as a challenger, I tried to look at the ballot and then try to verify it, I would get two or three of the poll workers literally screaming at me to get back six feet. However, we did not know that that had been overturned the night before, which would have been helpful. But um, at no time were we able actually to physically see the ballot and then see it in the, the poll electronic book. The person opening the ballot would probably be sitting where Senator Theis is and the electronic screen that we were supposed to be watching is basically to where the committee clerk is. Now, I don't know if you guys got binocular vision, but I don't. So I cannot look at a ballot over here, run down to this screen and be able to see it and verify that it is the same. I did address that with them multiple times and they told me, sorry, I should have planned better. Uh, plan better as to how needing binoculars I mean we as a poll challenger are supposed to verify the name address on the ballot to the electronic poll book and if it is not there then it is supposed to be in a paper poll book of which there was a significantly large poll worker any time that I said that is not in the the book when she would scan it it would not come up on the screen then she would basically hover over this paper book sometimes checking something and other times we could see that they did not check it and then they proceeded to manually enter these into the electronic poll book where they, then they would come up on the screen many of these many of these papers were they were not absentee ballot the yellow envelope the standard ballot some of them were on printed paper some of them were in white envelopes some of them were had multiple papers attached to them. So then they would manually enter them into the electronic book. 
So you've got many ballots coming through the center that are just in random packages, random sleeves. You know, you got the privacy sleeve. You've got one standard uniform uh, envelope that these things come in. And she's saying they're in all different kinds. And, and when we would ask, when they would scan a ballot and it would say, hey, this, this ballot, doesn't, it's not connected to anybody, they'd tell them to go screw themselves. This was set up strategically, and it was a sinister plan to purposefully keep these people away from seeing what they were doing. These people counting these ballots in in these handful of major cities were specifically trained to do this. They knew exactly what they were doing, because all these people have the same stories. They were all treated the same way. The counters they were watching were all doing the same thing. It was set up. And the poor GOP poll watchers, they were trained appropriately, but when they were were confronted with this behavior, they had no idea what to do. They were dumbfounded. Next, I've got a witness at the Michigan hearing saying in the military ballots that she saw looked like Xerox copies of each other. None were registered to Michigan voters, and all of the ballots, every single one of them, were for Biden. Now think about that for a second. Every military ballot that this lady witnessed being counted was for Biden. Does anybody believe that? Um not one of the military ballots was a registered voter um, and the ballots looked like they were all exactly the same Xerox copies of the ballot. They were all for Biden across the board. There wasn't a single Trump vote and none of the, the voters were registered. They had to manually enter the names and addresses at a birth date of 1-1-2020, which would override the system and allow them to enter non-registered voters, of which I saw several that day throughout the day that's how they would override voters that were neither in the electronic poll book or the supplemental updated poll book thank you so they've got two ways to check if a voter is registered it's either in the computer system or they have an updated book to the side where they can reference and double check now i think she was confused she said they would enter a date of 1 1 2020 if they couldn't find them in either to just send the vote on through. I think what she meant was one one nineteen hundred, because there were so many people that witnessed that exact same thing where if the the, the ballot was not connected to a registered voter, they'd just do uh, January 1st, 1900 and send it on through. And then, boop, in the pile. Over and over and over again. And the audacity for these people to be like, Yeah, it looks like all these military votes are for Joe Biden. Nobody believes that. Nobody. I don't even care. Democrats do not believe Joe Biden got 80 million votes. I've talked to some that refuse to be honest about it. I've talked to a handful that have been straight up about it. Those that refuse to be honest about it, they're just living in denial. They don't care. But this, the, the handful of them that are being truthful, they're telling me, you know what? It does look pretty shady. But our guy won, and we hate Trump so much that we're willing to take it. 
no, we don't want election fraud in the future, and hopefully we can clean it up, but we, we just need to go ahead and get Biden into office, and then we can worry about it. You won't be able to fix it. Because guess what? Georgia's about to have a Senate election where the, 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 uh, uh, the power of the Senate, the balance of power is going to go to the Democrats if they win. And guess what? That election is set up just like this one was. There's no difference. As they're having a record number of people request absentee ballots in Georgia. So guess what? Hey, I know this is going to be shocking to everybody. But once we get the results to the Senate race in Georgia, it's going to be a record number of votes. The most of any Senate race in history in the entire country. Wow, people must have really been interested in the Senate race. They were interested, all right. But not for the reasons you think. It is a utter disaster. As we move on and we play more, or we do more episodes, I may bring you more of these Michigan testimonies because this is not even a fraction of what we saw yesterday. I saw stuff that was absolutely shocking. And there's so many of them, I can't. I can't keep up. I'm gonna try to see if I can find a couple of more a couple more. This lady right here is a doctor from the Detroit area. She has been working in this arena in in, in within elections, volunteering her time, but she's also been on committees and stuff for 30 years. She knows exactly how this process works. She's seen the cesspool that Detroit is when it comes to elections. And she has had enough of it. Listen to her. Clerical errors, but a lot of them are considered fraud. I would have referred all of them to the attorney general if it were me. But um, Chris Thomas and others decided not to. They tried to remedy those things as best they can, but unless you put the full faith into the law and start prosecuting people, we will continue to see what we've been seeing. 71% of Detroit cannot be recounted. And I would not want to run on a uh, Detroit city nothing at all. I would not want to run in the city of Detroit knowing that there have been, quote, clerical errors, that some of them are illegal. There are ballot carrying problems. We have seen people walk into the clerk's office in Detroit with a stack of 75 ballots. Janice Winfrey is standing next to me. And this guy is not related to the, all of these people. They're, he's not a postal worker, nor does he work for the clerk's office. These are ballot harvesting has been going on. Inez Brown in Flint has been, re, uh, the clerk of city of Flint has been complaining about it. These are not clerical errors. These are what's been allowed. And when you have drop boxes for these, all of these urban areas to make it convenient, you do not have the ability to check the drop box and I'm putting in 50 ballots. If you don't compare the signatures, you toss the signature out. You don't compare the signatures you're supposed to. It's in the law. We are not following the law 
and we are not following it in every election. And the larger the jurisdiction, which are people of color, people who look like me, the more uh, fraud that can be um, inserted into stealing an election. And that is a problem. And we need to stop it. This is what is the most depressing about this election. The black people, black Americans in this country, decades ago, that gave their lives, risked bodily injury, and risked harm to their family to make sure black Americans have the right to vote, are now faced with the same Democrats that were attacking them back then, suppressing the vote of black Americans in some of our inner cities. You want to talk about voter suppression? There it is. The Democrat Party has waged all-out war on black Americans in our inner cities and have told them, we'll do your elections for you. We'll do your voting for you. We will pick your president for you. We know what's best for you. It's the same thing they've been saying for decades. The Democrat Party today is no different than the Democrat Party of 1940. No different. The only difference is they pretend to not be the racist that they once were. The only difference. Let me see if I can find more of these hearings, uh, clips of these hearings. Let's see who we got. Um, Regular citizens from Mill Walks of Life. I haven't vetted any of this stuff, so I'm just winging it and taking who we got. So let's try this lady here. They were all fascinating, so I'm, I'm not really worried about, you know, giving you a bad one. I was a poll challenger at the TCF Center on Monday, November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. On November 4th, early in the morning, I was standing at the adjudication table, and a ballot came across the screen. The ballot had a straight party ticket vote for both the Democrat and the Republican. It was a filled-in circle, which is an intentional mark. It's not a dash. It's not a dot. When the ballot came across the screen, there was no other marks, none of the judges, and none of the other ballot proposals had been voted on. The poll worker then said, I think I'm going to give it to the Democrats. That's absolutely absurd. That is illegal. The vote should have been tossed out. At that moment, I said, absolutely not. I'm going to challenge this. So I go get her supervisor. And then her supervisor defers to her and says, well, what do you think? And I'm like, well, what do you think? It doesn't matter what you think. It's the law. Our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts are totally irrelevant. You follow the law. And that ballot is to be tossed out. But she wanted to give it to the Democrats. So then I go get the gentleman who was overseeing the entire absentee ballot counting process while Daniel Baxter was gone. So this gentleman's name, I do not know. I go get him. He's overseeing the entire process while Daniel Baxter is gone. I ask him. He says to the girl, what do you think? It was disgusting. I was enraged. And I simply asked a question. I said, well, why not give it to the Republicans instead of the Democrats? The gentleman began screaming at me, began yelling at me, began telling me that I had no right to talk to her. And he told her to push the ballot through. And prior to that, that same poll worker, a ballot came across the adjudication screen where this voter had voted for Joe Biden and the Green Party presidential candidate. And she gave the vote to Joe Biden. 
I also saw the ballots show up in the middle of the night. Also, I inquired about the tabulation numbers from the tabulation machine between shift changes. I was denied that information. We saw a lot of irregular things. This is not an anomaly. Just because all of us have different accounts of what we saw, that doesn't make them invalid. And to expect Secretary Benson to actually do something about it is foolhardy. To accept uh, to accept Dan and Essel to do anything about it would be foolhardy. So we're appealing to you guys to do something about it. Because if our elections aren't fair, then we have no republic left. It's a banana republic. We have nothing. And, and we don't trust the election process. Why do you think a lot of people don't vote? Because they feel it's the big fraud. So our claims are being dismissed. I mean Preach it. Preach it, sister. The reason people don't vote... Is because they feel like their vote doesn't matter. What do you think those people think today? We'll still get 80 million votes for a candidate. 70, 80 million votes for the Democrat each election. But it's not because people are showing up in large numbers. It's because people stopped voting and Democrats are voting for them. It is some of the most shocking stuff I have seen. Here's another one. Uh, a lady talking about a warehouse. I saw this one as well. A, a warehouse where apparently they were keeping votes. They called it, ironically, the Chicago warehouse. It wasn't located in Chicago, but they called it the Chicago warehouse. And I, I can only assume... That it's kind of a play on words in the sense of how corrupt the Chicago elections have been for years and years and years. Um, he said, I was at the warehouse. I said, where's this warehouse? And I said, is it an Amazon warehouse? I don't know. What, what kind of warehouse is it, right? And he said, we call it the Chicago warehouse. And that audio is awful, but you, you get she's just saying the same thing that I was telling you, so it's not a big deal. Let's see. Make sure we don't have anything else before we get out of here. Um, here's another one testifying about them rescanning ballots over and over and over with no rhyme or reason. Actually, this is that same lady. She had numerous accounts because she was a contracted IT worker for Dominion. She didn't work for Dominion, but Dominion had apparently hired her to do some sort of IT work, but never really made it clear on what her job was. Um, I'm sorry. So the tabulating machines, um, when uh, a ballot jams, it puts up an error. It'll say discard or recount. So when it puts up that error, when a jam occurs, the correct way to go about it is to discard the whole batch Take the ones that have already been tabulated, put them back into a pile, put the one that jammed on top, and then discard it, discard the whole thing, and then rescan them. They were not discarding. So they were just rescanning, 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 counting ballots eight to ten times, just recounting them. They had absolutely no idea what they were doing. Just rescanning the same ballot over and over and over. How many times did they do that? And how many times, how, how many extra votes did that give a particular candidate? I think we all know which candidate that went to. 
Here's the same lady giving uh, more testimony. That's where she's saying everything that happened in the TCF Center, which is where everybody was. That was the basis of this hearing. She said everything that went on in that center was fraud. Now, this is the last one I'm going to leave you with. This lady, her name is Artesia Bomber, okay? And I know her name because I actually looked her up and contacted her because I want her on this podcast. And she was the most fired up of everyone that testified. She worked as a poll watcher, as a ballot challenger. She saw the fraud and she, like many other minorities in the city of Detroit, are sick and tired of being disenfranchised by politicians and are ready to see free and fair elections within the city of Detroit. Listen to this. Because I've been strictly told not to wear anything of partisan related to my candidates for office. So election supervisors seem to be implementing a double standard. Election workers had jackets, backpacks, purses, etc. on the tables and on the floors. There was no system to check your personal effects. Some people even had coolers for food with them. I don't know what was in them. It could have been ballots for all I know. I observed an election worker pull out a ballot from an envelope where the circle was completed next to the name Donald J. Trump. I saw this with my own eyes, all this that I'm saying to you today. I could see this because the marking was at the very top left corner of the ballot. Instead of processing the ballot, I saw the election worker push the ballot back in the envelope and put it in there in a black container on top of the table. I witnessed a meeting between election workers, team leads, where they gathered together and spoke at meetings that was in the left far hand side of the wall. The meeting ended in cheers. Woo! They were just super excited. At approximately 11.43 p.m., I heard one of the team leads yell, this is our house tonight. And further yell, they're going to do what we tell them to do from here on out. I took that as they're saying, this is the the Democrats' um, house tonight, and the Republicans, Independent, or whoever is going to do what we say tonight. And might I add, I was a U.S. Taxpayer Party of Michigan candidate at that time, sir. I observed stations where election workers were working on scan ballots that had issues that needed to be manually corrected. I believe some of these workers were changing votes that had been cast for Donald Trump other than Republican candidates. I observed ballots with cursive writing notes at the top right-hand corner. I observed a lot of them. Let's say a count, maybe about 100 of them or more. I also um, observed these ballots did not have ballot codes on them. The one, you know, you tear at the top, no ballot code numbers. At approximately 4.03 a.m., a poll worker announced, 50 boxes of ballots coming in. Election workers loudly cheered, woo! Why? Did they know that they were for Biden? Was it a Biden dump? We don't know, huh? About 4.50 a.m., I witnessed a man spraying a chemical inside the ballot. It could have been air, but I also saw him put whiteout tape up inside of there, and he was walking around with this whiteout tape during the whole night. I have witnesses. If you need to call on them, their name is Cheryl Constantino, Linda Sawyer, Judy Jump, Debbie Swalf, and Marlene Benser, including myself, Articia Bomber. I can't get all into this because I probably got a few more seconds, but let me tell you, it was voter fraud at its finest, pure and calculated fraud, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if people up here was involved. <laughs> she then ends it by saying she prays the blood of Jesus on this election, the fraudulent election, and how she hopes every single person involved in it spends the rest of their, their lives in prison. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely amazing. And it's like I said, I, I reached out to this lady because I really want her on the show because she was passionate 
about about her testimony. Now, here's what's important to know. Every single person that gave testimony yesterday, all but, well, I, I, none of them made their testimony, their, their verbal testimony under oath, except for one guy who put himself under oath to prove a point. But they did provide written sworn testimony, each and every one of these guys, to that committee... So it is on paper, so you can assure yourself, and, and, and if they're lying, they're going to go to jail. They are willing to put their neck on the line to say everything they are telling the legislature here is 100% true. I keep coming across these. I want you all to hear them. Listen to this guy. Since then, I volunteered with Guard the Vote. Over the last three weeks, Guard the Vote had over 1,000 volunteers painstakingly go through 30,000 of the 172,000 absentee votes in the city of Detroit and found the following results, which I have brought with me here. 229 of these 30,000 we went through are deceased. We have proof of this. Uh, uh, Senator Lucido, you are asking for proof. 2,660 of them, invalid addresses described by vacant lots and burnt down houses. I have a genuine question. Can someone in this room tell me how a deceased person can vote? Nonetheless, at the very lowest levels, if these percentages carry through, this means that of the 172,000 AV votes in the city of Detroit, 1,300 of them could be deceased. We're investigating it. Another 15,000 could have fraudulent addresses described as living on vacant lots or burnt down houses. What I can say for sure, and swear to you here today, I can say that overall, 8.9% of the 30,000 absentee ballots that we've gone through and investigated just in the city of Detroit were unqualified fraudulent ballots that should have been spoiled. And again, I have this printed out on the list. It's available for all of you. Why should this alarm you? Because this confirms that the city of Detroit poll workers were not properly performing a crucial step of verifying ballots in the qualified voter file, corrupting the whole chain of custody. And despite that, as I've sworn in my affidavit and so as many others, those ballots were in fact counted and ran through the high-speed tabulators. We can prove there is fraud, which should disturb all of us. Isn't that the officials who are supposed to care and do something about this? Uh, they don't want to even listen to the fraud that we know exists. I would uh, uh, plead to everybody's sense of truth and justice to fair and honest elections. Are you listening? Will you even remember my name in 30 seconds? You know, say my name, Chris Jornak. Say my name, Chris Jornak. Um, I do thank you for your time, and, and I hope for the love of God, truth, and fair elections that you will take the proper action and void election in Wayne County. <laughs> he said, say my name. Say my name. Chris Cornack. It's stunning. It's stunning. And I'll never be able to show you all the, the, the best ones out of this hearing. But it went on all day long. This guy right here, this is the one guy. His name's Randy Bishop. He's apparently a local radio show host. He's the one that swore himself, swore himself in. To assure them he is speaking under oath and provided, just like everybody else, sworn legal statements. He was as passionate as anybody else. Prove us wrong. All you have to do is have auditing of the books, the ballots, in full disclosure with a Democrat, a Republican, an independent, Jocelyn Benson, Governor Whitmer, Mr. Biden in the room. If you do that, the truth will be shown. 
and our land will be healed. But until you do it, we're not going to buy it. So there were there were two requests from these voters, taxpayers, poll workers in Michigan, in Detroit. Two requests. One, which was the most frequent request, a forensic audit before you certify and send electors. A forensic audit to make sure all these ballots are legal. Because you, from from the stories we're hearing, if you go through them and try to identify the ballots, even trying, you don't have to get them all, but you try to find the illegal ballots and throw them out, that you will bring a lot of comfort to a lot of Michiganders. Or the other uh, request by a handful of these witnesses will send electors to cast Michigan's vote for Donald J. Trump because it's becoming painfully obvious that he won the state of Michigan without a shadow of a doubt. Story after story after story, instance after instance, and there were only a few of these people that told the the, the same story. Most of these people had a different story from the next. It was similar in what happened, but it was a different instance almost every single time. It should shock you to your core what we are seeing. But for those of you that are holding out hope that Donald Trump can turn this thing around and win this election, you know where I stand on it. You know I've been saying since election day, since before election day, that Donald Trump's going to win this thing. My stance has not changed. But just know, if you need some validity, if you need some hope, some inspiration, to keep the faith that Donald Trump will win this thing, know that it's regular people like you, the regular people that work for trucking companies, for the post office, the people that volunteered their time to be poll workers, those are the people that are going to turn this election around. People like me and people like you. And once that happens, they deserve all the credit. I'm out of here. New episode coming up tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe, like, all that stuff. Until next time, see you, cuz!